0: Chapter forty seven of the Hidden Hand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Hidden Hand by E. D. E. N. Southworth. Chapter forty seven. Capitola caps the climax. Oh, when she's angry, she is keen and shrewd. She was a vixen when she went to school, and though she is but little, she is fierce. Shakespeare. It was quite late in the evening when Jem, her messenger, returned. Have you an answer? she impetuously demanded, rising to meet him as he entered. "'Yes, miss, here it is,' replied the boy, handing a neatly folded, highly perfumed little note. "'Go,' said Cap curtly, as she received it. And when the boy had bowed and withdrew, she threw herself into a chair, and with little respect for the pretty device of the pierced heart with which the note was sealed, she tore it open and devoured its contents. "'Why did Capitola's cheeks and lips blanch white as death?' Why did her eyes contract and glitter like stilettos? Why was her breath drawn hard and laboriously through clenched teeth and livid lips? That note was couched in the most insulting terms. Capitola's first impulse was to rend the paper to atoms and grind those atoms to powder beneath her heel. But a second inspiration changed her purpose. No, 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 I will not destroy you, precious little note. No legal document involving the ownership of the largest estate. No cherished love-letter filled with vows of undying affection shall be more carefully guarded. Next to my heart shall you lie. My shield and buckler you shall be, my sure defense and justification. I know what to do with you, my precious little jewel. You are the warrant for the punishment of that man, signed by his own hand. And so saying, Capitola carefully deposited the note in her bosom. Then she lighted her chamber lamp, and, taking it with her, went downstairs to her uncle's bedroom. Taking advantage of the time when she knew he would be absorbed in a game of chess with John Stone, and she should be safe from interruption for several hours if she wished, she went to Major Warfield's little armory, in the closet adjoining his room, opened his pistol case, and took from it a pair of revolvers, closed and locked the case, and withdrew and hid the key that they might not chance to be missed, until she should have time to replace them. Then she hurried back into her own chamber, locked the pistols up in her own drawer, and wearied out with so much excitement, prepared to go to rest. Here a grave and unexpected obstacle met her. She had always been accustomed to kneel, and offer up to heaven her evening's tribute of praise and thanksgiving for the mercies of the day, and prayers for protection and blessing through the night. Now she knelt as usual, but thanksgiving and prayer seemed frozen on her lips. How could she praise or pray with such a purpose as she had in her heart? For the first time Capitola doubted the perfect righteousness of that purpose, which was of a character to arrest her prayers upon her lips. With a start of impatience and a heavy sigh, she sprang up and hurried into bed. She did not sleep, but lay tossing from side to side, in feverish excitement the whole night, having, in fact, a terrible battle between her own fierce passions and her newly awakened conscience. Nevertheless, she arose by daybreak in the morning, dressed herself, went and unlocked her drawer, took out the pistols, carefully loaded them, and laid them down for service. Then she went downstairs, where the servants were only just beginning to stir, and sent for her groom, Jem, whom she ordered to saddle her pony, and also to get a horse for himself, to attend her in a morning ride, after which she returned upstairs, put on her riding habit, and buckled around her waist a Morocco belt, into which she stuck the two revolvers." She then threw around her shoulders a short circular cape that concealed the weapons, and put on her hat and gloves, and went below. She found her little groom already at the door with the horses. She sprang into her saddle, and bidding Jem follow her, took the road toward Tip Top. She knew that Mr. Lenore was in the habit of riding to the village every morning, and she determined to meet him. She knew from the early hour of the day that he could not possibly be ahead of her, and she rode on slowly to give him an opportunity to overtake her. Probably Craven Lenore was later that morning than usual, for Capitola had reached the entrance of the village, before she heard the sound of his horse's feet approaching behind her. She did not wish that their encounter should be in the streets of the village, so she instantly wheeled her horse and galloped back to meet him. As both were riding at full speed, they soon met. She first drew rein, and, standing in his way, accosted him with, Mr. Lenore. "'You are most obedient, Miss Black,' he said, with a deep bow." I happen to be without father or brother to protect me from affront, sir, and my uncle is an invalid veteran whom I will not trouble. I am, therefore, under the novel necessity of fighting my own battles. Yesterday, sir, I sent you a note demanding satisfaction for a heinous slander you circulated against me. You replied by an insulting note, "'You do not escape punishment so. Here are two pistols. Both are loaded.' take either one of them, for, sir, we have met, and now we do not part until one of us falls from the horse. And so saying, she rode up to him, and offered him the choice of the pistols. He laughed, partly in surprise, and partly in admiration, as he said with seeming good humour, Miss Black, you are a very charming young woman, and delightfully original and piquant in all your ideas. But you outrage all the laws that govern the duel. You know that, as the challenged party, "'I have the right to the choice of time, place, and arms. "'I made that choice yesterday. "'I renew it to-day. "'When you accede to the terms of the meeting, "'I shall endeavour to give you all the satisfaction you demand. "'Good morning, miss.' "'And with a deep bow, even to the flaps of his saddle, "'he rode past her. "'That base insult again!' cried Capitola, "'with the blood rushing to her face. "'Then, lifting her voice, she again accosted him. "'Mr. Lenore. "'He turned, with a smile.' She threw one of the pistols to the ground near him, saying, "'Take that and defend yourself.' He waved his hand in negation, bowed, smiled, and rode on. "'Mr. Lenore,' she called in a peremptory tone. Once more he turned. She raised her pistol, took deliberate aim at his white forehead, and fired. Bang! 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 Six times, without an instant's intermission, until her revolver was spent." When the smoke cleared away, a terrible vision met her eyes. It was Craven Lenore, with his face covered with blood, reeling in his saddle, from which he soon dropped to the ground. In falling, his boot remained in the hanging stirrup. The well-trained cavalry horse stood perfectly still, though trembling in a panic of terror, from which he might at any moment start to run, dragging the helpless body after him. Capitola saw this danger, and not being cruel, she tempered justice with mercy, threw down her spent pistol, dismounted from her horse, went up to the fallen man, disengaged his foot from the stirrup, and, taking hold of his shoulders, tried with all her might to drag the still-breathing form from the dusty road, where it lay in danger of being run over by wagons, to the green bank, where it might lie in comparative safety. But that heavy form was too much for her single strength, and calling her terrified groom to assist her, they removed the body— Capitola then remounted her horse, and galloped rapidly into the village, and up to the ladies' entrance of the hotel, where, after sending for the proprietor, she said, "'I have just been shooting Cravenly Nor for slandering me. He lies by the roadside, at the entrance of the village. You had better send somebody to pick him up.' "'Miss!' cried the astonished innkeeper. Capitola distinctly repeated her words, and then, leaving the innkeeper, transfixed with consternation, She crossed the street, and entered a magistrate's office, where a little old gentleman, with a pair of green spectacles resting on his hooked nose, sat at a writing-table, giving some directions to a constable, who was standing, hat in hand, before him. Capitola waited until this functionary had his orders and a written paper, and had left the office, and the magistrate was alone, before she walked up to the desk, and stood before him. "'Well, well, young woman, well, well, what do you want?' inquired the old gentleman." impatiently looking up from folding his papers. "'I have come to give myself up for shooting Craven Lenore, who slandered me,' answered Capitola quietly. The old man let fall his hands full of papers, raised his head, and stared at her over the tops of his green spectacles. "'What did you say, young woman?' he asked, in the tone of one who doubted his own ears. "'I say that I have forestalled an arrest by coming here to give myself up, FOR THE SHOOTING OF A DASTARD WHO SLANDERED, INSULTED, AND REFUSED TO GIVE ME SATISFACTION, ANSWERED CAPITOLA, VERY DISTINCTLY. AM I AWAKE? DO I HEAR aright? DO YOU MEAN TO SAY THAT YOU HAVE KILLED A MAN? ASKED THE DISMAYED MAGISTRATE. OH, I CAN'T SAY AS TO THE KILLING. I SHOT HIM OFF HIS HORSE, AND THEN SENT MR. MARY AND HIS MEN TO PICK HIM UP, WHILE I CAME HERE TO ANSWER FOR MYSELF. UNFORTUNATE GIRL! AND HOW CAN YOU ANSWER FOR SUCH A DREADFUL DEED? "'exclaimed the utterly confounded magistrate. "'Oh, as to the dreadfulness of the deed, "'that depends on the circumstances,' said Cap, "'and I can answer for it very well. "'He made addresses to me. "'I refused him. "'He slandered me. "'I challenged him. "'He insulted me. "'I shot him. "'Miserable young woman, "'if this is proved true, "'I shall have to commit you.' "'Just as you please,' said Cap, "'but bless your soul, "'that won't help Cravenly nor a single bit.' As she spoke several persons entered the office in a state of high excitement, all talking at once, saying, That is the girl. Yes, that is her. She is Miss Black, old Warfield's niece. Yes, he said she was, etc, etc, etc. What is all this, neighbors? What is all this? inquired the troubled magistrate rising in his place. Why, sir, there's been a gentleman, Mr. Cravenly Nor shot. He has been taken to the antlers, where he lies in articulus mortis. "'and we wish him to be confronted with Miss Capitola Black, "'the young woman here present, that he may identify her, "'whom he accuses of having shot six charges into him before his death. "'She needn't deny it, because he is ready to swear to her,' "'said Mr. Mary, who constituted himself spokesman. "'She accuses herself,' said the magistrate, in dismay. "'Then, sir, had she not better be taken at once to the presence of Mr. Lenore, "'who may not have many minutes to live?' "'Yes, come along,' said Cap,' I ONLY GAVE MYSELF UP TO WAIT FOR THIS, AND AS HE IS ALREADY AT HAND, LET'S GO AND HAVE IT ALL OVER, FOR I HAVE BEEN RIDING ABOUT IN THIS FROSTY MORNING AIR FOR THREE HOURS, AND I HAVE GOT A GOOD APPETITE, AND I WANT TO GO HOME FOR BREAKFAST. I AM AFRAID, YOUNG WOMAN, YOU WILL SCARCELY GET HOME TO BREAKFAST THIS MORNING, SAID MR. MARY. WE'LL SEE THAT PRESENTLY, ANSWERED CAP, COMPOSEDLY, AS THEY ALL LEFT THE OFFICE, AND CROSSED THE STREET TO THE ANTLERS. They were conducted by the landlord to a chamber on the first floor, whereupon a bed lay stretched, almost without breath or motion, the form of Craven Lenore. His face was still covered with blood, that the bystanders had scrupulously refused to wash off until the arrival of the magistrate. His complexion, as far as it could be seen, was very pale. He was thoroughly prostrated, if not actually dying. Around his bed were gathered the village doctor, the landlady, and several maidservants, "'The squire has come, sir. Are you able to speak to him?' asked the landlord, approaching the bed. "'Yes. Let him swear me,' feebly replied the wounded man, and then send for a clergyman. The landlady immediately left to send for Mr. Goodwin, and the magistrate approached the head of the bed, and speaking solemnly, exhorted the wounded man, as he expected soon to give an account of the works done in his body, to speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth— without reserve, malice, or exaggeration, both as to the deed and its provocation. "'I will, I will, for I have sent for a minister, and I intend to try to make my peace with heaven,' replied Lenore. The magistrate then directed Capitola to come and take her stand at the foot of the bed, where the wounded man, who was lying on his back, could see her without turning. Cap came as she was commanded, and stood there with some irrepressible and incomprehensible mischief— gleaming out from under her long eyelashes, and from the corners of her dimpled lips. The magistrate then administered the oath to Craven Lenore and bade him look upon Capitola, and give his evidence. He did so, and under the terrors of a guilty conscience, and of expected death, his evidence partook more of the nature of a confession than an accusation. He testified that he had addressed Capitola, and had been rejected by her. Then, under the influence of evil motives, He had circulated insinuations against her honour, which were utterly unjustifiable by fact. She, seeming to have heard of them, took the strange course of challenging him, just as if she had been a man. He could not, of course, meet a lady in a duel, but he had taken advantage of the technical phraseology of the challenge party, as to time, place, and weapons, to offer her a deep insult. Then she had waylaid him on the highway, offered him his choice of a pair of revolvers, and told him that, having met, they should not part, until one or the other fell from the horse. He had again laughingly refused the encounter, except upon the insulting terms he had before proposed. She had then thrown him one of the pistols, bidding him defend himself. He had laughingly passed her when she called him by name. He turned, and she fired, six times in succession, and he fell. He knew no more, until he was brought to his present room." He said in conclusion he did not wish that the girl should be prosecuted, as she had only avenged her own honour, and that he hoped his death would be taken by her and her friends as a sufficient expiation of his offences against her, and lastly, he requested that he might be left alone with the minister. "'Bring that unhappy young woman over to my office, Ketchum," said the magistrate, addressing himself to a constable. Then turning to the landlord, he said— sir it would be a charity in you to put a messenger on horseback and send him to hurricane hall for major warfield who will have to enter into a recognizance for miss black's appearance at court stop said cap don't be too certain of that be always sure you're right then go ahead is not any one here cool enough to reflect that if i had fired six bullets at that man's forehead and every one had struck i should have blown his head to the sky Will not somebody at once wash his face and see how deep the wounds are? The doctor, who had been restrained by the others, now took a sponge and water, and cleaned the face of Lenore, which was found to be well peppered with split peas. Cap looked around, and seeing the astonished looks of the good people, burst into an irrepressible fit of laughter, saying, as soon as she had got breath enough, Upon my words, neighbors, you look more shocked, if not actually more disappointed, to find that, after all, he is not killed, and there will be no spectacle, than you did at first when you thought murder had been done. "'Will you be good enough to explain this, young woman?' said the magistrate severely. "'Certainly, for your worship seems as much disappointed as others,' said Cap. Then, turning toward the group around the bed, she said, "'You have heard Mr. Lenore's last dying speech and confession, as he supposed it to be, and you know the maddening provocations that inflamed my temper against him.' Last night, after having received this insulting answer to my challenge, there was evil in my heart, I do assure you. I possessed myself of my uncle's revolvers, and resolved to waylay him this morning, and force him to give me satisfaction, or if he refused, well, no matter. I tell you, there was danger in me. But before retiring to bed, it is my habit to say my prayers. Now the practice of prayer, and the purpose of red-handed violence, cannot exist in the same person at the same time. I couldn't sleep without praying, and I couldn't pray without giving up my thoughts of fatal vengeance upon Cravenly Nor, So at last I made up my mind to spare his life, and teach him a lesson. The next morning I drew the charges of the revolvers, and reloaded them with poor powder and dried peas. Everything else has happened just as he has told you. He has received no harm, except in being terribly frightened, and in having his beauty spoiled. And as for that, didn't I offer him one of the pistols, and expose my own face to similar damage? For I'd scorn to take advantage of any one," said Cap, laughing. Craven Lenore had now raised himself up in a sitting posture, and was looking around with an expression of countenance, which was a strange blending of relief at this unexpected respite from the grave, and intense mortification at finding himself in the ridiculous position which the address of Capitola, and his own weak nerves— cowardice and credulity had placed him. Cap went up to him and said, in a consoling voice, Come, thank heaven that you are not going to die this bout. I am glad you repented and told the truth, and I hope you may live long enough to offer heaven a truer repentance than that which is the mere effect of fright. For I tell you plainly, that if it had not been for the grace of the Lord, acting upon my heart last night, your soul might have been in Hades now. Craven Lenore shut his eyes, groaned, and fell back, overpowered by the reflection. "'Now, please your worship, may I go home?' asked Cap, demurely popping down a mock curtsy to the magistrate. "'Yes. Go, 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 go,' said the officer, with an expression as though he considered our Cap an individual of the animal kingdom, whom neither Buffon nor any other natural philosopher had ever classified, and who, as a creature of unknown habits, might sometimes be dangerous.' Cap immediately availed herself of the permission, and went out to look for her servant and horses. But Jem, the first moment that he found himself unwatched, had put out as fast as he could fly to Hurricane Hall, to inform Major Warfield of what had occurred. And Capitola, after losing a great deal of time in looking for him, mounted her horse, and was just about to start, when who should ride up in hot haste but old Hurricane, attended by Wool? Stop there, he shouted, as he saw Cap. She obeyed, and he sprang from his horse, with the agility of youth, and helped her to descend from hers. Then, drawing her arm within his own, he led her into the parlor, and putting an unusual restraint upon himself, he ordered her to tell him all about the affair. Cap sat down, and gave him the whole history from beginning to end. Old Hurricane could not sit still to hear. He strode up and down the room, striking his stick upon the floor, and uttering inarticulate sounds of rage and defiance. When Cap had finished her story, he suddenly stopped before her, brought down the point of his stick with a resounding thump upon the floor, and exclaimed, "Demi, You New York newsboy! Will you never be a woman? Why the demon didn't you tell me, sirrah? I would have called the fellow out, and chastised him to your heart's content. Hang it, miss. Answer me, and say. Because you are on the invalid list, and I am in sound condition, and capable of taking my own part. Then answer me this— while you are taking your own part, why the foul fiend didn't you pepper him with something sharper than dried peas? I think he is quite as severely punished in suffering from extreme terror and intense mortification and public ridicule, said Cap. And now, Uncle, I have not eaten a single blessed mouthful this morning, and I am hungry enough to eat up Jip or to satisfy Patty. Old Hurricane, permitting his excitement to subside in a few expiring grunts, rang the bell and gave orders for breakfast to be served and after that meal was over he set out with his niece for hurricane Hall. and upon arriving at home he addressed a letter to mr Lenore, to the effect that as soon as the latter should be recovered from the effect of his fright and mortification he major warfield should demand and expect satisfaction chapter forty seven